We keep on running out of ways to describe what we see as unprecedented in the United States Congress and in Washington in the era of Donald Trump. What we witnessed the previous evening in Washington was an extraordinary conflict between two senators, one the majority leader and the other a liberal firebrand who is firing up the base in the Democratic side. I'm Jason Dick, CQ Roll Call's leadership editor. This is the Big Story Podcast. Joining me today is Catalina Camilla, CQ Roll Call's policy editor and a veteran observer of Congress. Cat, what is going on? <laughs> let's start with let's let's back up first before we get into the nitty gritty of what happened on the floor between Elizabeth Warren and Mitch McConnell, and start with what we've seen going on since since Monday. What we're seeing is the Democrats trying to assert themselves in the era of Trump. They are trying to define their role as the minority and as the opposition party. And there are some elements in the Democratic Party, particularly progressives and liberals, who want their lawmakers to resist at every turn. So that means blocking nominees. That means calling out some of the people and the policies of Donald Trump. And it also means using the Senate rule book to their advantage. It gins up the base. It helps with fundraising, and it may or may not help as we get to the next election in 2018 when 10 Democrats are up for re-election in states won by Donald Trump. There is an engagement going on in the populace. Now, Republicans will say Democrats and their allies need to get over it, that the election has been held and Donald Trump is president. But from the Republican side, you're also seeing evidence of how difficult it is to govern. Uh, You know, just this week alone, in the last two weeks, we've seen boycotts of meetings, uh, committee rules being changed on the fly to get things done. And at the end of the day, the numbers speak for themselves. Republicans have 52 Senate seats, Democrats control 48 votes. And so all of these nominees, if the Republicans hold together, they will get confirmed and pass, unless you have this rare instance where Republicans, you know, have opposition to the nominees and Vice President Pence will come in and break the tie. So what you're seeing here is really uh, an example of both sides trying to figure out how they govern and how they act Uh, in their new role since the 2016 elections. And since we are in this era of, I mean, enhanced engagement, we've had two all-nighters pulled in in the Senate already. We're we're like on the brink of a third. And that, you know, leads to a little bit of fraying nerves. I mean, people are used to at some point being able to go home, even even a United States senator or staffer. I mean, the, the, the staffs are running 12-hour shifts and so forth up in the Senate side. And what we ended up with, or, or the latest flare-up that we've seen that is sort of encapsulates this, this very tense environment we find ourselves in, is this exchange uh, between Elizabeth Warren and Mitch McConnell that was preceded by Elizabeth Warren reading a letter uh, from Coretta Scott King, Martin Luther King Jr.'s widow, wrote uh, to the Senate Judiciary Committee in 1986 opposing Jeff Sessions' nomination to be a judge. We're going to listen for a second here to this exchange as it gets a little tense on the, the floor of the usually genteel United States Senate. They are mothers, daughters, sisters, fathers, sons, and brothers. Mr. President. They are... Mr. President. The majority leader. Senators impugn the motives and conduct of our colleague from Alabama 
As warned by the chair, Senator Warren, quote, said Senator Sessions has used the awesome power of his office to chill the free exercise of the vote by black citizens. I call the senator to order under the provisions of Rule 19. Mr. President. The senator from Massachusetts. Mr. President, I am surprised that the words of Coretta Scott King are not suitable for debate in the United States Senate. I appeal the ruling. Object, objection is heard. The senator will take her seat. So, wow. Jason, I'm curious, from your perspective, why was Warren singled out? Well, quite simply, she is, you know, one of the few truly bright shining lights in the Democratic Party. She is a possible 2020 contender. Uh, it did look a little harsh. The optics weren't great to see, you know, a Republican white male man telling a, you know, a Democrat who's a woman to take her seat. Uh, but at the same time, this is, could be Mitch McConnell's attempt to create like sort of a the Democratic boogie woman uh, that, I mean, if you define your opponents early, then you, you get to sort of set the terms of debate. And one thing that Mitch McConnell is, is he thinks strategically and very long term. We thought it was ridiculous when right after Antonin Scalia died in February that he said he was not going to fill the Supreme Court seat. The Republicans truly, they suffered no ill consequences for that, at least electorally, and now they get to fill that seat. So Mitch McConnell, even though he seemed, it seemed a little harsh, this may be a part of what he is thinking needs to be done to set the terms of the debate for future elections. This, this exchange between McConnell and Warren and also the presiding officer, Steve Daines, it has become uh, a, a lightning rod for both sides. The symbolism is unmistakable. You have uh, a clash between two powerful interests. On the one side is a Trump ally, the highest ranking Republican leader in the Senate, who is trying to not only push through the president's agenda, but also show the American people that the Republicans in the majority can govern. On the other side is a woman who has been a rising star for several years, who has often been uh, labeled as a potential presidential contender in 2020. She has a loyal and devoted following. And the fact that she is a woman uh, being told to sit down resonated and sp sparked incredible outrage in social media, as we saw with the hashtag being used by her allies, Let Liz Speak, and also the response that she got from her video reading the Coretta Scott King letter that she posted on Facebook. Which there have been mil millions. Millions of hits, you know, immediately viral. Uh, it's been picked up. And then, you know, we've also seen people, her colleagues, who have taken to the floor to begin. Like, so it started uh, with Senator Tom Udall the following day, and he read Coretta Scott King's uh, letter. Now, he did not get, so you know, so-called Rule 19. Like, nobody objected to his reading of it, which was, you know, struck some people as, like, this is an example of, of sexism being you know, exercised, that, you know, Elizabeth Warren was told to sit down by a male senator, and then the next, you know, she was followed by a male senator, a male colleague, reading the same exact thing, and nobody told him to sit down. Nobody told him that he was out of line. There was lots of outrage uh, last night 
uh, after all the procedural maneuvering and all of the invoking of the rules. And it was interesting to hear longtime senators like Orrin Hatch, who uh, is the longest serving Republican senator, say, you know, never in his time in the chamber has he seen something like this. It's, it's important to note that, you know, you referenced how genteel the Senate can sometimes be, where speeches are often laced with words like, my friend, the gentleman from Montana, or my good will, the friend. <laughs> will the gentlelady from Maine please uh, yield for a moment? And as you said, Rule 19 is not often invoked when people get a little uh, tense and emotions rise in the heat of the moment. For example, Republican Senator Ted Cruz outright called his Republican leader, Mitch McConnell, a liar. On the floor. On the floor. This was a couple of years back. Rule right. 19 was not invoked. Right. Same thing last year. Senator Tom Cotton, a young and up-and-coming Republican firebrand, referenced the, quote, cancerous leadership of Democrats under Harry Reid. Again, Rule 19 wasn't invoked, and that's what Senate Minority Leader Charles Schumer said last night. There seems to be selective uh selective uh, application of the right. rules. Something that, Char- that Chuck Schumer, the, the Democrats leader, I mean, he repeated again this just this afternoon, came to the floor, said what we saw here is selective enforcement against, you know, Elizabeth Warren. And there's no place for that in the United States. There's no there's no place for suppressing speech, period, uh, if, from Schumer's perspective. But there's also no there's no room in it, particularly when it's just being selectively applied, was his point. There's also an irony here in that this is coming during the confirmation debate for Jeff Sessions, who is the president's pick to lead the Justice Department and be attorney general. As we saw at his confirmation hearing last month, there was a lot brought up by Democrats about his uh, record and his comments and his views, all stemming from his tenure as U.S. attorney in Alabama and items that came up during his uh, failed confirmation hearing to be a federal district judge uh, in 1986. And so from the Republican point of view, the Democrats are criticizing someone who has been their colleague for 20 years. Uh, I recall a speech uh, by one of the Democrats last night who said, you know, I go to the State of the Union speech every year and I sit next to Jeff Sessions. He's kind. He's personable. You know, he's a good guy. That's what we're hearing. But at the same time... Democrats and Republicans are trying to suss out the difference between someone's personal views and how they would run a major department in the federal government versus their own personal views. And what we heard during the confirmation hearings for Senator, for Senator Sessions was, could he run the department fairly? And could he be independent of President Trump whose own actions have come into question these last few weeks with his executive orders. There's also, you know, we can't sort of emphasize enough just how much race is playing a part of this. Um, Race was the major reason that Jeff Sessions was rejected in 1986 for for a district court judgeship. 
the letter that Elizabeth Warren was reading, uh, where where the you know sort of the Rule 19 hammer came down, was from Coretta Scott King. It's Black History Month, so we have a, a an issue of selective enforcement on on a woman in this case by men, by white male Republican men. You layer that on top of of the the questions that date back thirty years with Jeff Sessions. You, you know there is also a, a, a racial component to a lot of the criticism leveled at the president and whether he is interested in any kind of sort of racial reconciliation. This is all happening during Black History Month. It based, and that's just one day that we're talking about here in in the United the, States Senate. The the uh, question that will remain and needs to be answered pretty much every day for the next two years, if not four years, is what this will mean as we try to govern and actually legislate. We've got a huge deadline coming up at the end of April where government funding will run out. Are tensions so high and our relationships so battered that we won't come to a bipartisan agreement on what is really the basic function of the Congress, which is to fund the government. Right. It's going to be a really big story <laughs> that we're going to keep following. Catalina Camilla, thank you so much for joining us on the Big Story Podcast. I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can find all of our podcasts at rollcall.com forward slash podcasts.